0: If you've been dreaming of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. Today's guest is Amir Ganad. Amir is a frequent and highly sought after international keynote speaker. The founder of the Ganad Group, which offers speaking, workshop facilitation, and consulting services, Amir's book, titled The Transformative Leader, has been shipped to 30 countries. Amir Ganad shares how his daughter inspired him to take his corporate experience and launch a family company to empower people. They have built a family business working together to help companies and people experience transformation. Amir, thank you for joining me today and being willing to uh, jump on the show. Appreciate the opportunity to learn from you today.
1: My pleasure, Robert. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. So you spent uh, quite a few years in corporate, in uh, manufacturing and uh, quality control, and then have chosen now to to be an entrepreneur. Can you share a little bit about that that transition?
1: Uh, sure, absolutely. I mean, I uh, basically got a master's in mechanical engineering because I thought that's the thing to do. My uncles were engineers and all of this. But then I started a career in manufacturing and supply chain and very quickly discovered that I really had a lot of passion for organizational development and sort of empowering people, energizing people. So I spent 31 years in manufacturing and supply chain and I've done just about every job in in that function. But I always did it from an angle of sort of empowering people, energizing people, finding ways to uh, help bring out the best in people. And about six years ago, my daughter and I founded the Ganad Group. um, And basically, it's the same work that I was doing in the corporate world. But now we're doing it, we've expanded our reach and everything. And then eventually, uh, my son joined us and my wife as well. So the four of us, or the Ganat group, and we're having the time of
0: our life. <laughs> wow, that's pretty fantastic. So uh, what led you to, to start the company with your daughter?
1: Well, actually, it was my daughter who did that. I In, in 2015, she sort of kicked my butt into uh, finally publishing my book, uh, The Transformative Leader, because I'd been writing all these little notes and, and uh, you know, voice notes and all of this. So she finally said, look, I'm taking over this project. And she did everything but the the writing so designing it and and all of this so and then she started getting on my case to say hey you know what we can actually expand our reach she wanted to to do it she's the entrepreneur in the family and uh, who was i to say no uh, so finally about nine months later or so um, i went ahead and and left the corporate world and uh, you know it, it's just you know, I always had a lot of passion for this work, and there was a lot of demand for it. And it was, it wasn't like you know, just kind of taking a leap of faith and hoping that it would work. Even though I had spent 31 years in uh, my corporate career, and it was, uh, I was a little bit nervous about you know leaving the safety and security of a paycheck behind, if you will. But I was also kind of excited, and most importantly, I was excited about doing the work because a lot of people were asking me, "Hey." Uh, would you be willing to coach me? Would you be willing to speak here? Would you be willing to do a workshop? And and so we went into it with a lot of excitement. And honestly, we hit the ground running. It was it's been an amazing ride.
0: Well, that's pretty fantastic. So obviously, it can be challenging for for many folks to have to even think about working with their family, uh, let alone working with their children and with their wife. And so, <laughs> can you share a little bit about um, how you guys make that work? Yeah, you
1: know, I, I've had the good fortune of actually uh, consulting with a lot of companies that are either family businesses or small businesses that kind of feel like a family that have grown beyond their capabilities. And so I help them sort of uh, grow into uh, what their potential, if you will. But our own experience has been that, you know, we each bring something totally different. So while we share the same values and we absolutely love each other, uh, we each bring different uh, a different set of skills and possibly sort of different ways of looking at things, and so from time to time that can, uh, you know, be more diff- be difficult, right? Instead of getting into a meeting and saying, "Okay, we all agree on this way," it's like, "No, no, everybody's got a different idea." Uh, but what has really helped us is that we truly respect each other and we love each other enough to. Uh, you know, even when we're having our debates and conversations, uh, you know, we respect the fact that the other person is bringing some perspective that I don't, uh, right? So so I would say that, you know, we've certainly had our, our moments where we're like, you know, why can't this be easier? Why can't we, why can't you just see it, see it my way, uh, right? Uh, but uh, by far, you know, our experience has been just phenomenal in terms of bringing all that diversity of thought and uh, being able to get the most out of it, uh, simply because we truly respect each other.
0: Nice. And what helped you in determining roles for each of your family members?
1: Well, th- this is interesting because we, we have had the luxury because we're not a really huge business. There's just the four of us. Uh, and occasionally we have uh, engaged the help of a an expert in a very surgical fashion, if you will, Uh, very, uh, you know, uh, selectively, Um, but between the four of us, we've all migrated toward what we love to do. So for the most part, I would say about 80% of what everybody's doing is what they're really good at and what they like to do. But then there's that 20% where say, you know what? Somebody's got to do the bookkeeping and stuff. Nobody really loves to do that. But it's like my wife's like, okay, I'll take care of that. <laughs> and so everybody's got some things that they just simply need to do because it needs to be done. Uh, but for the most part, we simply just said, hey, you know, my my daughter's really, really good at, you know, she's got an eye for, um, you know, aesthetics and so on and so forth. And she's very good at designing the website. My son is more of a philosopher and he and I uh, go, go out uh, for walks in the woods and, and create these models. And, uh, you know, much of what I've put in my book is basically uh, a product of he and I putting the finishing touches on some of my ideas. Um, And so, yeah, we've just basically migrated toward what we love to do and what we're good at.
0: That's so awesome. (laughs) So obviously You've created tools for empowering people and 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 helping people, especially in the area of of leadership. What tools were effective in helping you to build your audience as a company?
1: You know, uh, people ask me often because we really hit the ground running, and we we just uh, we've had a phenomenally uh, you know successful uh, experience with our business. Uh, but I have to confess and say it wasn't because we're really good at marketing and sales in a traditional way. I mean, in fact, I always tell people, I said, you know, we really suck at marketing and sales because I've never really made a cold call. I've never, we have not spent uh, one penny on like Facebook ads or, or LinkedIn ads. So our secret sauce, honestly, has just been. Uh, word of mouth, just staying in touch with people we've gotten a lot of business most of our business has really come uh, through referrals and and repeat business uh, i've I've done a lot of speaking at, at uh, various uh, you know uh, associations and things like that hundreds of people if if there's anything that I can say in terms of building our audience and bringing people to us, it's really. Uh, those events where somebody's exposed to a a little bit of sort of what I bring and and I think we have done a good job uh, but we're not sophisticated by any means. We don't have any funnels. We don't have any of that but we have done a good job I think. of kind of making uh, options available for people. So, for instance, when I speak at a larger event, uh, you know, we we give people an option of okay, we, we've got the book where they can buy the book. We've got these workshops coming up. Here's how you can find out more about us and things like that. And then we stay in touch with our newsletters. We we publish a, a newsletter once a month. Uh, I have a weekly podcast that I do, and we'll send out letters on those. And and so that way people sort of decide if they're ready for that next level of engagement with us. And so all of our businesses come through uh, that.
0: Nice. Organic is a lot more natural. And and of course, having the opportunity to speak um, from a stage obviously is, is a great chance to create a following of people that identify with your values and identify with your message. Yeah. Yeah. And so So I guess that kind of leads to the other question. So what has been the impact of of being an author?
1: You know, uh, it's been an extremely uh, gratifying feeling for me. Uh, And I have to tell you, it's like I tell the story that when I was writing the book, when my daughter was cracking the whip and giving me sort of uh, assignments to finish sort of the content. And I I had a full-time job and I was writing at at nights in hotel rooms and stuff like that. And at that point, uh, you know, it was all about making a difference for others. Um, but, But for a short period of time, it occurred to me that I was going to be an author. I was going to be famous. I might even be rich. Right. And so it got into my head and everything. And, and, and I have to tell you, it was quite obvious that I would sit down to write something and nothing profound would come out of my head. And it was just like because it was all about me. And then I reset very quickly and, and, and really, really got focused on the fact that this book is going to make a difference for somebody. And so at that point, then it started flowing again. And my experience has been that we've shipped the book to over 30 countries, uh, you know, thousands of uh, uh, copies. And again, we've never tried to be on anybody's list or we haven't done any sort of promotions. It's just all been through word of mouth and people finding us and ordering the book and all that. But what's really gratifying for me is that I get into conversations with people like from all over the world or they, uh, you know, send us a... A, a, a review, or send me an email, and let me know sort of how it made a difference for them. So, in that sense, it's been absolutely a, a phenomenal experience for me.
0: And obviously, you believe in the power of transformation. You believe in the the the, the greatness inside each each human being. Um, what is it? What is it that 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 you enjoy drawing out of people, or helping them <laughs> draw out of themselves?
1: You know, this is uh, such a wonderful question, uh, Robert, because it really gets at uh, what I spend a lot of time on these days. I, I do this uh, workshop called Discover the Transformative Leader Within. Uh, because my belief is that the leader is inside of each of us. And what gets in the way is uh, you know, layers of stories and, and uh, you know limiting beliefs and things like that. And once you get those out of the way, uh, then you get to sort of emerge as that leader. Uh, and make great things happen and experience a fulfilling life. And so what really uh, is is my most favorite activity is when I get in these uh, workshops, I do them mostly virtually nowadays. I uh, probably do about two or three per week. It's a four-hour workshop called Discover the Transformative Leader Within. And when I see that light bulb moment and when people tell me, they said, hey, I just popped you know this is it just happened for me i i really made the connection that I, the concepts are simple i introduce essentially seven hidden saboteurs of success and fulfillment and habits that you can take on to uh, neutralize those and, and and there are very simple ideas but when we have those conversations and these the light bulbs go off uh, then of course the um you know, the the stories that I hear afterwards, you know, people uh, losing significant amounts of weight or people restoring their relationships, uh, delivering great results, getting promoted, things like that. It's all because we are our own worst enemy, the things, the stories that we tell ourselves and, and all of that. And so I essentially help people see what's in front of them, what's what's in the way of them showing up as the transform, transformative leader that they are and get it out of the way. And that's simple as that. Then they take off, make it happen.
0: Yeah. I love that. I, I I consider myself a a story changer. And so helping people take, you know, take the stories they're telling themselves about themselves, about their past, um, and, and changing those stories to empower them, empower them for their future. Yes. So very similar, um, ideas right because obviously the stories we tell ourselves determine our belief system and our belief system oh, yeah. determines our actions and of course our actions determine our results so yes in, until That's we true. change those stories uh, nothing's going to change that is so true so, so true. obviously you spend a, a lot of years in, in corporate um, where do you develop the the stage confidence the the, the ability to tell that story
1: You know, I I have to go back to the first experience that I had uh, when I uh, went into like public speaking. Essentially, I was the plant manager of a plant that had just experienced a significant transformation. We had gone from the worst to the best in about a year and a half. And I had bought a ticket to go to this manufacturing event in Chicago. Uh, It was 2011, in fact. And it was, uh, you know, 600 people in attendance and they were given out some kind of an award. And so I filled out a, uh, a form to possibly be considered for the award. We didn't get the award, but they looked at my form and they asked me, they said, would you be willing to present at this event? And I'm like, <laughs> who am I to present? So anyway, I said, yeah, sure, why not? So on the way up there, I, my wife came with me and, and I told her, I said, you know, they were going to have 33 speakers and i told her, and i and i had spoken in front of people within companies and stuff like that i was never really considering myself a great uh, speaker but this was the first time 600 people now i got to, better have something good to say and so i said to my wife i said my presentation my talk is going to be the best one out of mm-hmm. all of those because it's going to make a difference because i was so committed to take that message that made a difference for us to everybody else and so just with that intention and no real skill or whatever you, that that you could uh, that I can think of I got in front of people and I just basically told the story with the intention to make a difference and I tell you a few weeks later they called me up they said you know your presentation was by far uh, the best, and number two was like way down here and and for the next several years, they kept calling me, and I was speaking in Berlin and Amsterdam and all kinds of places for them. So I tell you the story because I think while you know later on in my speaking career, I you know got some education, not a lot but I went to this thing called keynote camp and I you know hung out with some uh, really big time uh, speakers and and learned some things. I think the most important thing honestly is to make sure that when you're on stage that you get that this is not about you looking good. It's not about them liking you. It's a, it's a, it's it's about you making a difference. So that was simply the only ingredient that I had for that first talk which went very well and I've tried to preserve that even though I've picked up some other techniques and approaches. Um, so it's all about knowing that it's, I, I have the saying that says, I'm the one and it's not about me. And if, <laughs> oh, you, get so good. Sides, if you get both sides of that, well, you know, in other words, I am the one that's going to make a difference. I am the one in the context of the transformation I want to cause, but it's not about me. It's about making a difference for somebody else.
0: That is so good. Just, thank you. Just the idea of setting that intention ahead of time, right? Choosing to to make the commitment that my speech is going to be the best of all of the people speaking because I'm going to make a difference in the lives of the listeners. And you're thinking about it from the perspective of the person listening rather than you know, oh, I'm going to look so good on stage and I'm going to okay. I get to tell my story and and they're all going to they're going to love my story. And no, that's so good. It and And it and it makes a huge difference. Right. When you're when you're preparing yourself, when you're preparing your notes um, that you've set that intention, putting yourself on that stage for the sake of the people in the room is so valuable. Um, And so what a great what a great lesson for for anyone having opportunity to speak. Um, I think any time in business You have to think about the outcome and not the outcome you want for yourself, but the outcome you want for the people that are listening Um, and so valuable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so important. And, and I know that a lot of your listeners probably fall in this category of people who are uh, more afraid of speaking publicly than death. They always say it's the number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. <laughs> but Anyway, so if, if you're a person who's listening and you're really afraid of public speaking, I can tell you, it's like I, I can go back and watch the videos of that because I have a video of that uh, initial talk that I gave. And I can tell you, I cringe in terms of all the mistakes that I made. And, you know, I would tell a joke and I wouldn't even stop for people to laugh. And I would just move through. And, I, and all that. it's OK, because you know what? What people are looking for is for somebody to be authentic and really interested in making a difference for them. So I'd say just jump in, make a
0: difference for people and don't worry about it. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think if you're making a difference, you're going to impact somebody's lives. Even if you're fumbling over your words and you're hemming and hawing the whole way through, somebody's going to hear that message because your intention was for their good um, and not for yourself. So yeah. that's so good. Thank um, you. I think that kind of leads to the next ideas. How, how important is character as a business owner, as a speaker?
1: You know, I, I think what's, what's really, I always tell people, I said, you know, we've all worked with brilliant jerks at some point. You know, these are people who uh, possess all kinds of skills. They have all kinds of tools in their tool bag. But, but honestly, nobody wants to work with them because they leave dead bodies around practically and, and they suck the oxygen out of the room. So I think, uh, you know, while uh, in this, in fact, in fact, one of the hidden saboteurs that I talk to people about is how are you showing up? Right. You got to pay attention to how you're showing up, because if you're just showing up as an expert, yes, your functional expertise is important, but it's not sufficient. What people are looking for is how are they experiencing you? Who are you being? How are you showing up? And so I would say that, you know, while unfortunately, a lot of companies uh, sort of uh, give in to uh, these so-called experts uh, who just destroy their culture, just because they they feel like they can't live without them and so on and so forth, in the end, it just doesn't work. If you want to create a a, a culture that that truly uh, thrives and delivers extraordinary results, character is everything. You know, I mean, if you want this uh, people's discretionary effort, if you want people to go out of their way, I have to tell you, you know, that plant that we turned around uh, from the worst to the best, I always tell people, I said, listen, I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. I know so many people who are much better than me as plant managers. But you know what? I recognized what I was missing and I was honest about it. And I asked people, I said, listen, I really suck at this thing. So can you handle that? So it was the team that actually made up for my you know, shortcomings. Now, imagine in that situation, if I were to try to pretend like I knew everything and all of that, they'd probably be standing inside like, okay, let this guy just kind of go off the cliff and see what happens. No, but they didn't do that simply because they knew I cared about them and they cared about me. So I think character is everything, honestly.
0: Well, and that level of authenticity is important, not just from the beginning, but but obviously character character lasts, right? I think, um, cause you can start out loving your people and get them all on your side and then, and then turn on them. <laughs> and I, and I think that authenticity from beginning to end is, is so important, right? Because you're able to be who you are because I really do love you people and I care about you people. And, and I, we want the best as a company to, to get the best results and, yeah. and you create that kind of environment versus the person that's just trying to to, to manipulate right and and, yeah. and and it's so easy to see leaders that that do that right they come in as the benevolent benevolent leader and then and once they get the results that they're looking for they they turn on those same people um, yeah. and, and so I, I agree with you that that character character really does matter and and people will f- figure you out sooner or later
1: <laughs> Oh yeah you know we can see it in everybody in, in others and and we have to know that others can see it in us. Uh, you know, and 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 I when we talk about how you show up and everything, I always tell people, I said, this is very different than fake it till you make it. It's not about faking it. It's about truly showing up according to the transformation you want to cause, according to your values. And if your values are messed up and you just say, hey, you know what, the heck with these people. I just need to get these results. It It just comes through and people will see it. And it makes all the difference in the world. So that's why I think a lot of the the work of a leader uh, starts with themselves. It's like, let yeah. me look at myself to, to truly examine who I am. It's not about, uh, let me just kind of put on a show because other people can see right through it anyway.
0: No, actually, the best leaders are the leaders that have done the internal work. Yes know thyself right I think Absolutely. I think there's a, a lot to, to be said about the truth of, of know yourself um, obviously values and character are the basics of know yourself um, or or you know those are the places where people can choose to grow yeah. um, but to apply that to other people right and and expect other people's performance to improve <laughs> you better you better be you know your your true self
1: yeah. You know, uh, Robert, we had uh, in that plant I told you about, we, we, we set a vision for ourselves and had two parts. The first part was we we're going to be the showcase of excellence. And that had everything to do with delivering the best results. Essentially, we were getting paid to do that. So, so we said, hey, you know what, we're going to deliver the best results. But the second part was really my most favorite, which was we are going to be the cradle of prosperity. Uh, which meant that our workplace was going to be a source of inspiration for people. And it wasn't a place that you go to and then you go home and kick the dog and uh, you're mean to your children and all this kind of stuff. It's a place that that truly you count on uh, to help you get better at life, not mm-hmm. just better at work. And so we really just implemented all kinds of actions uh, that at the same time that we went from the worst to the best in terms of our results. I mean people's lives were improving they they i mean they were getting out of debt, their health was being restored, relationships were being restored. It was an amazing amazing transformation and I think it just it was because we took a very holistic approach
0: uh to leadership and and improving our lives well and really that you you cast a vision that was setting an intention for the future right you you cast a vision, but you also cast a vision for we can accomplish this and be good people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, excellent point. Because for some people, it's a choice, right? So we can either uh, be kind to each other, or we can be efficient and get the results. Uh, yeah. you know, we can either beat the heck out of people, or just let them off the hook and and whatever. No, you can do both. Uh, you know, and, uh, the transformative leader. I talk about this. Uh, there's a chapter about uh, Chick Fil A lemonade style of leadership. And so if you've ever had a Chick-fil-A lemonade, you know that it's delicious. It's got a lot of lemon, a lot of sugar. And so to me, leadership is about really bringing the, the sugar, which is I care about you, you know, compassion and trust and respect, all of that. I treat you with respect and dignity. But the lemon has to do with the courage to hold people to high standards. And so, you know, if you are missing one element or the other, it just, you're either a dictator with all, all kinds of lemon and no sugar, or you just want to be liked, uh, you know, by people and you don't bring that leadership. Nobody wants that kind of lemon. In fact, that's not even a lemonade. <laughs> so you, what you want is a, is a really balanced lemonade at a very high level, uh, the courage to hold people to high standards, but also the compassion to really treat them with respect and dignity
0: and truly care about them as human beings. No, that's so good. I I mean, this episode is sponsored by add value to life coaching and their inner circle team coaching with a new team forming in January, limited seats are available apply during the month of December to be a part of this group coaching program, add value, the number two life.com for my role as a father. I think about that. That's the exact kind of father that I wanted to be right. And so I really like that Chick-fil-A lemonade. Um, You know, one of our goals that my wife and I had always talked about was that our kids would be our friends when they became adults. Oh yes. But I didn't need them to be my friend while they're my children. That's right. That is very. (laughs) And so, so setting that intention didn't mean I was just going to you know pamper to them while they're growing up. I had to have the courage to be their dad and and to do the things that dads have to do to help their children, you know, navigate life and and really our whole parenting project was to get them out, right? Yeah. I'm preparing you to get out of my house because I don't yes. want you here longer than you need to be. <laughs> I mean, it's a short-term job. It wasn't a permanent job. <laughs> um, and I think so many parents parent their kids as if they're they're a permanent, you know, it's a permanent duty station, <laughs> right? Um, and, yeah. and they don't have that intention of of the kids taking on those responsibilities for themselves and then they don't prepare them for it. And then the kids are going off to college and they're not prepared for the life they have to face because their parents didn't have the courage to to prepare them. And and so yeah. I think those those are two great examples, right, that you've got to have the courage, the, the lemon to, to prepare them. And yet the love and sweetness of, of nurturing them, you know, so so right, good. Yeah.
1: No, I think that that is such a great example and, and, and if I could i would just throw uh, something out there uh, for for your listeners to consider because there's a parallel in from an organizational perspective. Uh, you know in organizations sometimes uh, sort of uh, people or leaders kind of act like that parent that's going to just kind of make all the decisions and all this and then they don't prepare their people mm-hmm. Uh, to take on responsibilities. And then they complain. It's like, why are these people not taking responsibility? And and so I always tell people, I said, listen, you know what? When my children were little, they had no authority. I essentially made all the decisions, but I took care of them. And now that they're adults, they have all kinds of authority. We are equals. And they're, in fact, my coaches. They have been my coaches since Mm -hmm. they were in their teen years. And they're just amazing individuals. But when they were in their teens here's what happened and there's a parallel to this in organizations they wanted more authority but they weren't didn't want the responsibility that went with it <laughs> i wanted to give them more responsibility but i didn't want to give them the authority you see that oh. the, the disconnect and in organizations the same thing happens so a great leader i think basically gives out the authority as that readiness is there but it but they also essentially you know make sure that there's a balance between responsibility and authority that there's not it's not sort of lopsided on one way or the other
0: absolutely well and 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 in our household the buck stopped with the, the father that's just the kind of household they had but that mm-hmm. meant that i i started out with all the authority and all the responsibility and and ultimately until my children moved out they lived under my roof i was responsible for their behavior and their their actions um and of course at the same time preparing them to to be responsible meant they had to face some consequences right so when they make some mistakes and they do some things that they knew better there's there's consequences for those those actions just like there would be if they're living on their own you you make that kind of mistake you don't change the oil in your car and you blow the engine up or you you wreck you know damage the engine because you didn't take responsibility the -hmm. the consequences and and now the compassionate side of me the loving side of me comes alongside and says all right you've made this terrible mistake but how are we going to get through it together how can i help you through this i may not buy you a new engine right but i'm i'll help you figure out a solution and and i think that that can be really important right is allowing allowing our employees allowing our people to experience the failure, experience the consequences, but understanding that we're compassionate enough and loving enough that as a whole, we want our family to succeed. As a whole, we want the company to succeed. And in order for that to happen, we'll walk together through the consequences.
1: That's right. And at the same time, if they do something really well, I think this concept of, you know, I I wrote an article called, uh, you know, transformative leaders love their people. And 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 truly, I mean that in a in a in a sense that you know, if we translate or if we uh, transpose that same kind of love to other people, our employees, you know, if you love somebody, you're you're not going to just say you know bless his heart and you know kind of like we say in the south because it's not really uh, a a great compliment. Like he's never going to get any better than that. No, you actually help the person get better. And 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 you know, in our household, we did similar kinds of things, but we also it kind of gave a new meaning to uh, "no good deed goes unpunished." Uh, I, I started the tradition in our household. Uh, I, our kids, I think, were in the first and second grade. I, I sent them uh, summons in the in the mail. It was very official that they need to go to court. And, and I was the judge. So I put on this robe, and I'm sitting there, and these little kids are looking at me wide-eyed. It's like, what did we do wrong? So I, I started reading, you know, the, the crimes and the punishment. I said, you guys have done your homework. You've helped your mom at, uh, in the, with the chores. You've done really well. And, and by that time, their, their eyes are kind of lighting up. It's like, wait a minute. This, not, this doesn't seem like a really bad thing. And I'm like, and your punishment is... X. You know, we gave them some toy or something like that. And, and so we carried that pun punishment thing to, the, to this day. The, the kids are like, you know, and they're in their early 30s. They're like, oh, are we going to get punished for this? So it's like, look, you know what? I want to recognize you and acknowledge you and celebrate you when you do some things really, mm-hmm. really well. But when you don't, there's responsibility. There's accountability. And no, I don't enjoy beating you up or whatever, uh, but it is my responsibility to bring it to your attentions because attention because i want you to grow. and so i think in organizations the same thing can be true if leaders truly take responsibility for it.
0: well and I, and I think organizations especially manufacturing you know large organizations that get large numbers of people struggle to celebrate, right? and and struggle to to provide celebrations. we have these expectations, right? you've got to you got to get 1000 widgets out today and Oh, you know, you're, you're, you're 999. You, you didn't make the cut, but, but we're not celebrating, you know, Hey, of those 999 Joe did 700. Right. So, yeah. you know, and and I think when companies start to recognize that if we get down onto the ground floor and we start to celebrate, wow, Bob picked up the piece of trash that, that was just laying in the aisle or, you know, just the, the small behaviors that, that, and and you celebrate those, you recognize those. Then the rest of the employees, you know, obviously what we celebrate gets duplicated, whether whether individually or corporately, you know. And so the opportunity to celebrate those successes, I think, is so powerful. Um, and for companies to figure out ways to to celebrate their employees well, to celebrate their successes, especially the small ones that that so often in a big organization go un you know unrecognized. And I think that that adds so much to that culture that you're trying to create and of course adds so much credibility to the leadership. Cause it's now we're not, you know, we're not these leaders just looking for everybody to make a mistake. Right. Yeah. And I think parenting can, you know, parents can end up that way too. Right. The only time I see my dad is when he wants to punish me. Right. Mom's right. saying wait till your dad gets home. Right. <laughs> it's always this, uh, this they're they they're just, you know, even the idea of God, right? The idea that God's just watching out for you to make a mistake versus you know the loving God that created you for a purpose and 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 wants you to be aligned with that purpose to serve humanity and do really good things, that gets lost so often in yeah. in the idea that you know we, we just got to do the right thing. So I love that you were punishing your kids with with celebration. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's so good. So What have mentors meant? Obviously, you're serving now as a mentor for for so many, but in your own personal journey, um, what what have mentors meant and what would you recommend to somebody looking for a mentor?
1: You know, for me, a lot of my mentors have uh, sort of shown up in unexpected places, or at least at, at the time, I didn't really expect that person to be my mentor because... You know, you start a career, you got a boss, you got all these people that are way up here and you're hoping that somebody will mentor you. But quite honestly, a lot of my mentors uh, showed up in the form of people who were working in my organizations, uh, quote unquote, for me. Uh, But it was like, look, you know, this person has a lot of wisdom. In fact, I'm in touch with several of them uh, today, you know, after 30 some odd years, uh, you know, later after we worked together uh, because they had wisdom. Right. So, so, for me, it's like it's important to recognize, first of all, what is it that you are out to transform? What is it that you're out to, to create for uh, the greater good and all of this, the company or the, the team? And then kind of going back to yourself to say, okay, what do I need to get really good at? Uh, wh- what is it? What skills do I need to develop? What sort of tools do I need to pick up? What aspects of my character do I need to develop? And that sort of thing. And then kind of be open to getting that mentoring from wherever it shows up. And, and, and I, you know, I wish that I had uh, I'd had some advice on this. I wasn't really very intentional in the early years of my career. And I appreciated the mentoring. But I would say to people, listen, when you Find somebody who's willing to coach you and mentor you, latch on and 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 go do something with that mentoring and, and let the person know what you've done with it. Because that's to me, like when I mentor somebody, when I coach somebody, the greatest reward is that they're actually getting some results. Uh, so latch on, make it happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, and again, also look for uh, multiple mentors because... I don't think, you know, there are too many people who are going to be able to meet all of my needs at the same time. You know, I can learn one thing from another one person, something else from another person. And I think it's important to be open to having multiple
0: mentors. Absolutely. All right, going to change it up just a little bit. What was your most memorable date with your wife? <laughs> well, my mo-
1: most memorable date uh, is uh, actually... Uh, I met my wife at Six Flags. Uh, we worked together here in, in Georgia. And so she was my trainer. And uh, essentially, uh, I was in, in school in another town and all of this. So about three, four months went by after we kind of parted ways. And we weren't really dating or anything. We just kind of worked together and so on and so forth. And then I had a phone number uh For her. And when I came back to Atlanta and transferred to Georgia Tech, uh, I called her up and I said, hey, you know, uh, why don't we meet and, you know, see if we go get some ice cream or something. And we met at the Omni downtown in Atlanta. And um, and so that was basically not one of our fanciest dates or anything like that. But that was our first first date. And that was almost, well, it was over 40 years ago, actually. So <laughs> we're going to celebrate 40 years of marriage in December.
0: <laughs> Congratulations. That's so good. <laughs> Thanks so so much. obviously you're working with your, your son and your daughter now as well. So what, what does your family love to do as a family?
1: Well, you know, we, we, we love traveling, uh, so we've done a lot of traveling together. We've lived in Thailand. We've lived in Germany, uh, you know, for a few years at a time. And we've done a lot of international traveling. So so that's probably on the top of the, the list. And, and one of the things I have to tell you is like, you know, uh, while each of us got like different hobbies and things like that, As a family, um, it's the simplest things like, you know, we've got a a fire pit out back. And just last week, we hung out for like three or four hours, just sitting around the fire and just talking about our memories and and celebrating some of the good things that are happening in different people's lives, you know, different each of us and just hanging out in in the simplest, uh, you know, over a, a meal that we enjoy. That's something I think it all goes down for us to those really really simple things. Uh, <laughs> but if I had to pick something, I would say international travel is something that we all enjoy, and we've done a lot of it together.
0: Nice, love that. So, what uh, what kind of routines do do you have in your life, or does your daughter have in her life that have helped in in you know building the business and having the impact that you're that you have?
1: You know the the routines. I, I would say you know my my daughter is very very disciplined and and very meticulous in getting things done. She is just a a machine in terms of like getting things done. And by the say by the way, having a, a life uh, on the side and and really very well balanced. Uh, I have to admit that I, I'm not like that. So I'm like. Uh, a, a squirrel kind of, uh, you know, sh- going after the shiny object and that shiny object. So I, I need a lot of help from her to just kind of put me uh, on task. So, so so we we have sort of reconciled that in a, in a way in that, hey, you know what? I bring that creativity and all that and it's celebrated, but it's not always what really helps us is not always what we need. Uh, So we have actually made good use of several different tools, uh, things like Slack and Notion. um, And and these are um, apps that we use to really keep everybody on the same page around what is a priority? What is it we're working on? What's on hold? And with this thing that we're working on, who, what is next and who owns it by when? So those kind of tools have really helped my daughter uh, sort of uh, reel us in and make sure that we stay on
0: track. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and And so good of you that you're willing to Literally, let your daughter be the boss in in the areas where she's she's stronger.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, she she's very very good in terms of the uh, right brain stuff. She's you uh, I mean, arts and and uh, you know she's a just a fabulous fabulous coach. She has a good feel for sort of, uh, it's, you know, empathy and getting into your world. But at the same time, she can switch. Over to the left brain and be very, very task oriented and make things happen. So, who am I to get in the way of that? I'm like, have <laughs> at it.
0: So I work for her. No that problem. is, that is, that is so good. Well, obviously now you've had you know a few years of success and you're your building your business as a family. Um, how has contribution been a part of your family's journey?
1: Well, it, if if I understand what you're saying, like contribution making a difference for. For, for others. So yeah. for us, you know, I, honestly, while we don't mi- mind making money at all, and we, we you know, <laughs> we we do make good money. Um, we, we've we always kind of looked at the work that we do as uh, somewhat of a ministry, if you will. I mean, I do a, a lot of pro bono work uh, and with organizations that I volunteer with. Um, and, uh, you know, nonprofit organizations that come to me and so on and so forth. And I really uh, try to make sure that people understand that, you know, the the big reasons I'm doing this work is to really make a difference. Um, and, and so we have done that sort of thing, uh, you know, quite frequently in terms of uh, really finding out where the need is and, and supporting people or setting like uh, kind of low rates for somebody that we know is going to go make a huge difference, but they may not be able to to afford our regular rates and things like that. Uh, so it just, um, you know, my kids have also kind of grown up with uh, the idea of really making a difference for others being a, a key part of their, um, you know, who they are, who they are and, and, and how they show up. Uh, So uh, a lot of people, my wife and I have done a ton of, um, uh, you know, uh, volunteer work to teach people about finances, about health. Uh, You know, I, in that plant, I used to do a lot of uh, marriage counseling. Actually, I have had no training in that at all, but it was working. So I was like, okay, fine. I was faking it totally, but it was working. Uh, So, so uh, she actually does a lot of Uh, you know, free, Uh, we've never charged anybody any money for any kind of uh, coaching on health and wellness. Uh, But she's worked with people who've had cancer and just essentially helped them get rid of their cancer and, you know, or other serious uh, diseases and things like that. So we've always valued that. Uh, We always felt like that was
0: really an important thing for
1: us to do. And we've tried to do our, our best.
0: That's so good. And obviously your, your marriage experience in, in your own life qualified you to be helping others in their marriage. That's how that's yeah. how coaching really works. Right. Like, I, I think sometimes the counseling thing gets a little out of hand. Right. They learn all this stuff from a book, um, but they haven't been able to maintain a, a, a relationship in their own life at all. <laughs> and yet they're they're counseling other people on how to do that. So um you know, yeah. I've been with my wife for going on thirty years this year, so I, that's I, nice. I, I celebrate you guys as a great example, and a, and I and I celebrate you know what my wife and I have done, and I definitely yeah. think that that gives us a little bit of authority, and 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 yeah. our and our adult children still love us. In fact, they call us more now than they did when they lived here. So, oh it's, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's wonderful.
1: Congratulations. Yeah, really well,
0: and, and thank you, and and but it does give me authority in that area. Like I have some expertise.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it's the same is true. Like, I, I think, you know, when I show up as a consultant or something and, and nothing against, you know, people who've had some uh, courses or certifications or whatever. But but for me, it's like, look, you know what? I, I've, everything that I teach and coach people on is stuff that I've lived. Like, yes, I've read the books and all of this. But I know a lot of people who know a lot about leadership, but they're not really showing up as leaders and they're not certainly not qualified to coach anybody on leadership. <laughs> it's not about like knowing about it. It's about having experienced something and being able to convey that, not just your own experience, but being able to see the world through other people's eyes. Like I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, sold it on eBay. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: yeah. 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 I think experience counts double, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I think action Action counts, you know. Quadruple, you, if you're an entrepreneur yeah. and you're planning and you're programming and you're doing all the learning, you just got to do it. You got to take yep. that step and and make action, you know, make it real by by doing something. And so, right, yeah, action action definitely counts. So, awesome. yeah. so what inspires you, Amir?
1: What inspires me, uh, honestly, you know, is uh, just uh, what we talked about before is really making a difference for somebody. Uh, and I see this often in my workshops or coaching sessions and all this. Somebody who is just kind of really uh, uh, disappointed in themselves or doesn't really have high hopes that something is going to happen. Somebody who's kind of boxed themselves in. What inspires me is to create that moment when they see something that they couldn't see before, that really empowers them and liberates them. I mean, this is it for me. It's like I'm real clear that I'm going to be doing this work uh, for a long, long time, as long as I I, I live. Uh, you know, for so I don't plan to retire. I have rewired one time. You know, when I left <laughs> the corporate world. I may have a couple of more rewirements, but I don't plan to retire. This is the purpose of my life is to put people in touch with their greatness so they can fulfill their unique purpose in this world. And nice. that really is is uh, in, what is, inspires me.
0: So what is what is the big dream related to that inspiration?
1: Uh, well, I mean, for, for us, we've always talked about having a wellness center uh, of some sort uh, because we've Done a lot of work on various aspects of wellness, you know, be it my practice, which goes beyond just leadership development, but it's really kind of liberating the person to be the most powerful version of themselves. Mm. And of course, I consult with organizations around how to then take that out there and create the right culture, that sort of thing. So that's one aspect of it. But the other thing is, you know, things that You know, people don't really teach you how to uh, raise children, how to manage your finances, how to manage your health, how to, uh, you know, have a great relationship. So I think this holistic sort of wellness center is something that we still plan at some point to to bring to the world to say, hey, you know what, you can come here. And you can get multiple benefits, you know, whether it's a one-week program, two-week program, immersion, and then we'll keep up with you and things like that. Uh, That's something that we've kind of been talking about uh, for a few years and continuing to build on. So
0: that's it. So good. That's so valuable, right? And, and, And so many of the transformations that can happen for a person, you know, Involved in those domains. It's not just your work life. It's your your love relationships It's your freedom of time and money. It's it's your health um, And putting all of those together um, can really empower a person to true freedom. Yes. Yes Absolutely. All right So one of those young entrepreneurs stuck in the box is sitting across from you you guys have just finished a conversation and coffee together What would emerge words of wisdom as you're leaving him to go off on his way to start his to build his business (laughs)
1: So, so look, here's what I would say is that first and foremost, get real clear what you're really passionate about and declare a bold transformation, you know, don't uh, play small. Now that doesn't mean you have to go quit your job tomorrow. I didn't do that. I I started basically building my skills and, and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And then I I built a bridge, and then that was a short hop for me. It wasn't like a major, oh, geez, I don't know what's going to happen. So for some people, it's a leap of faith. For some people, it's not. Whichever bucket you're in, make a bold declaration, something that gets you excited you know, and, and then begin to really uh, focus on what it is that you need to do to take a few steps in that direction. Because it's overwhelming when you make a bold declaration. It's like, oh, geez, where do I start? What to do? And then we talk ourselves out of it. No. Yes, start with a bold declaration, but then ask yourself the question, what is the most important next step I need to take? And every day, ask yourself that question and take one more step on one more step and you'll see. That your progress may be very slow at the beginning, but if you keep that up, it's going to be exponential and there's going to be a time when you're going to hit that part of the curve where you're like, geez, how did this happen? And so for me, that that has worked for us in building our business. Uh, We went very organically and, you know, went about it very organically. And I really believe that 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 really
0: uh, works. Hmm. So good. Amir, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate the conversation and the wisdom that you've shared today.
1: My pleasure, Robert.
0: Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. We have a free gift for you at number 2 entrepreneurscom Our Cyber December deals include one-hour coaching slots for only $97. That's a 75% savings and we're launching new Inner Circle Team Coaching in 2022. Applications are open in December at number 2 lifecom In our next episode, Tyrone Shum is an ambitious young entrepreneur building his real estate investing business by learning from successful investors. He shares how he started his podcast to create connections. He uses his marketing background and experience on YouTube to create a high-level podcast experience, with over a million downloads.